We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so the Texans play the Colts on Sunday. The Colts, as of right now, I believe are still favored... In this game, I'm going to do a quick check here since the backdrop of this segment is a gambling angle, or at least the person you're about to hear from. You is, want to make some money? Listen to Sean and Seth in the morning. One We've of our, got seven locks of the week. Boom, boom, boom. Pow, pow, pow. Uh, it's still minus two and a half Colts. So, um, the disrespect. I love it. I love it. I'll not tolerate it. Actually, makes the that means the Texans are a half point better than the Colts. Yeah, because the a home Sam Ellinger version of the Colts on right. a neutral field. Because yeah. Lucas Oil Stadium is going to be raucous on Sunday, so you get that. It'll be quiet like they like it yeah. when the Colts are on offense. That's right. That's because uh, Peyton will have trained the seventeen thousand people in attendance yep. already to to be quiet yes. when Ellinger is not driving down the field. That's mm-hmm. right. These are two really bad offenses for sure. So let just to get to Nick Costos here. Nick Costos is one of the experts on on the BetQL network. The BetQL network is part of our Odyssey family of content generators. And Nick Costos, who I believe we've had on this show before. Ben, have we had him on the show? I think they had him on with us during March Madness a couple of years ago. Okay, that that so that is the case. And he's he's got a He's got a, a a gambling expert's vibe to him. His voice is very – he's a New Yorker. He's very energetic. It's not – but it's also a little bit more it's, – it's more of a new age gambling guy voice because he doesn't have the bass that a lot of those big the, – the guy, a lot of those old school guys, it felt like it was an Italian dude from New Jersey. Yes. And he was talking to you in a diner or something. You yes. know, it was – this is a little bit different. This is a guy that feels like a Jersey kid – it's uh, it, on the internet at home. High pitch screamer, and I'll yes. tell you in the video, he's got a New York Yankee, literally a New York Yankees ball cap on, pulled down, and um, and so here he is. Here is his handicap on his pick for the Texans and the Colts on Sunday. Houston absolutely has to lose the game. It is like look what the Jets did a couple of years ago. They won that meaningless game as like nineteen point underdogs at the Rams with Adam Gase as the coach, and it was like a feel good moment for a fleeting second. And as a result, Trevor Lawrence now has the Jaguars on the precipice of an AFC South title, and Zach Wilson is like not in the team's plans, or maybe he is. Who the hell knows? Now it doesn't mean that didn't mean that Trevor Lawrence had to be great or that Wilson had to be this bad, but you can't mess with stuff like this. The game doesn't matter. If you are the Houston Texans and you try and win this game, like send them to the Big 12 and take Texas and Arch Manning and, and the Longhorns and play in the AFC South next year. Like, I don't want to hear it. They have to lose. I would only bet Indianapolis in the game. And I think the Colts suck. I think the coach is an embarrassment. The owner's a train wreck. The general manager sucks. But, like, they, the, the Texans have to lose. They have to lose. They have to. Okay, I, they have so, to. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't tell whether he's saying it out of his own personal needs or whether they, they're saying they will lose because they have to lose. He doesn't really make that leap into the, the Texans will 
will decide to lose because they have to yeah, lose. Yeah, th- this is where, this to me, the big thing in there, and this is the warning label. Do not, do not listen to a handicapper who is handicapping this game based on the Texans needing to lose to get the number one pick. Yeah. He, he said in there, the little morsel in there that I use as a warning, because I know a lot of you listening gamble, bet on the games, especially Texan games and whatnot. The little thing he said in there was, I would only bet the Colts in this game because the Texans have to lose to get the number one pick. The 53 guys who don't care about that are the 53 guys, into, well, I guess 46 guys, in Texan uniforms on Sunday. They don't care. The guys playing in the game, Seth, you're the former player. You've been on teams that have been in this exact oh, position yeah, yeah. in 2005. Oh, yeah. When you took the field in 2005, and all of Houston is a flutter with Reggie Bush Versus talk. San Francisco. We were playing San Francisco. Did was you, the last game of the year. Did you give a rip about the number one overall pick in the draft? No, no. If anything, you take it as motivation to, to win. You know, because anytime... Hey, like anytime there, people are actively hoping that you're going to lose, you, you want to prove them wrong. So I, I remember that one year, I think it was after the Titans game when Chris Brown had a really bad shanked kick, and that was when a lot of the, that was when a lot of the conspiracy talk started flying. And it was ironic because the only reason we were in position to kick the field goal that could have won the game was because Chris Brown had executed a really good fake field goal earlier. It was going to be a long field goal. Chris Brown ran a fake. And to get into really good field goal position, but then somehow missed. That was, apparently, that was our plan: was to run a fake field goal to get into better field goal position. Chris shanked it, and uh, it was obvious to everybody that we were trying to lose the game. That's so, classic. So we got we get back from that game, and Chris comes in Monday morning, and uh, somebody had put a a blow up doll with a Reggie Bush jersey on it. No Chris Brown's way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you are you saying somebody because you don't know who it is, or did you know who it was? Who I know. It? I I I'm not asking you to out them. I don't remember who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, That's no, really I funny. Any, I don't know if anybody. Um, I don't know if anybody actually uh, admitted to it or not. Yeah. yeah. So it was. Um, let's see. Chris was the kicker, and um, was it Chad Stanley, the punter? Chad Stanley might have pulled something like that, but I'm not sure. Okay, but actually, I don't think Chad would have gone out and buy the, bought the. Uh, his problem was like, a, you know, like a lot of guys are pretty devout, and Chad's like a pretty devout guy. Those guys aren't going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to swing by the sex shop. Let's on my go way to in. Cindy's and yeah. get a blow up doll. <laughs> do, you, do you have a Reggie so Bush jersey also? If Stanley did it, then he had help from somebody else. Right, he sent somebody in to somebody go buy from my crew. That's yeah, right. your crew. That's great. He danced with the devil for a little bit for the sake of humor. So I think that um, no, nobody does. And we played San Francisco, I, I believe, to overtime in that final game of the year. Yeah. And I don't know at that point how much of a difference it would have made in the draft. But we were we were at that point multiple times that season where we were two and fourteen, but we did have some close games. We lost to the Rams in overtime, uh, you know, to a young Ryan, beardless Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yep, yep. And it was, um, it was just that kind of year. So no, we weren't trying to lose. And and yes, people, people talking about how they really want uh, you to to lose makes you want to win that much more. Right, right. 
Um, so watch out, everybody. Do you, do you look? It was a. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the like the ninety eight pound weakling saying, "Like right. you better watch out. Right. I got a Charles Atlas work. It's a, I got a Charles Atlas book at home. Don't I'm gonna kick your ass. I'll tell you. Don't, don't mess with Kirko. <laughs> yeah. Um. So do you? I mean, two thousand five obviously different than two thousand twenty two in terms of there's no social media back then. Um. But you you were. Uh, if, I wasn't living here at the time. I was living in Chicago at the time. I moved back a couple years after that. So I wasn't here for the day-to-day sports talk radio narrative around the number one overall pick. But you, if I, if, if I recall from what you said, as far as players go, you were more dialed in with the, the radio scene and listening to things than, most, than, than a lot of players. In spurts, yeah. In spurts. Yeah, yeah. Do you recall it being like this right now, especially because there's a quarterback hanging in the balance, it yeah. does feel like if we were to pull – Random plugged in football fans on the street, I feel like it'd be eighty to ninety percent conservatively that want the Texans to lose this game on Sunday. I think so, yeah. I think that it gets down to you can see the the moving moral goalposts. The goal the moral goalposts start to shift as you get down to the end of the season. Yes. I felt like last week was the first week where I think people just said, all right, screw it. I'm actively hoping they lose. Yes. I, uh, I'm out of my moral dilemma. I I don't need to be the I don't need to be like the frog in the motivational poster choking the crane as it swallows me. So I think that, that yeah, I think a lot of people want him to lose. Yeah. As, a, as far as being plugged into the what the media was saying and everything, that year when we were 2-14, and 14, I didn't really read or listen to much at all because it'll drive you insane. That's true. But back then, the tough thing was the fact that you were the butt of the jokes on late-night television all the time. Yeah. That yeah. it was, you know, and in the morning news shows, they were like, you'll never get, and locally, of course. You know, you'll never guess what Johnny Carson said about the Texans. I'm, I'm not that old. It wasn't Johnny Carson. But uh, that, that part sucked. Yeah. Because then you couldn't – you know, like, guys today can't escape their family telling them what they saw on social media? Back then it was you couldn't escape what the jokes were and everything because either somebody was um, – somebody was email forwarding you an email yeah. or they were uh, playing it on the morning news. Yep. Or, you know, yeah, well – You'd have ESPN on in the locker room, so you'd see that there, perhaps. Who was it? The who was the guy that got in trouble, or people criticized him last year for for turning the ESPN off in the oh, locker room? It was oh, oh, it wasn't was it? Trubisky. Didn't they turn it, it off for Trubisky yeah. in Chicago? Yeah, and everybody acted like it was the softest thing in the world. And I didn't like. It makes sense. You shouldn't be feeding yourself a steady diet of negativity no. when you're trying to go out and perform. You really, I mean, there. I mean, there are a lot of really successful people who specifically have people on staff to give them, like, to seek out the positive feedback, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. to bolster their egos, you know, to, hopefully not to the point where you're delusional and you're not hearing any feedback at all. But you get plenty of feedback as a pro- professional athlete. You get more feedback. You get more feedback than just about any other profession in the world in terms of on any given day, you could mess up bad enough that you get cut. Yep. You know, that you're, or you get fired, and, and you're watching film every single day of how you performed two hours ago. Yep. So it's very intensive like that, and it's not. Um, you know, it it just it adds to it. I told you about the time the bellboy in my building, um, nice kid from uh, former Soviet Republic, it's like Kazakhstan. If you did, something. I don't recall. Okay, so it was after one of our many losses that season. It was on one of out of fourteen 
14 losses that season. I, I came home. It was an away game. I remember because I had my suit, my roller bag behind me, and I'm walking in in my sweaty suit, uh, just miserable. And this kid that I kind of, you know, he was, he'd, he'd just come, he'd been in America for like a year. He didn't speak great English or anything, and he was trying to learn about America, and I talked to him about football every now and then. He's a really nice kid. And I, I, I come in, I'm tired. It's like one or two in the morning, and he sees me from across the lobby, and he's like, Seth! What is going on? You guys suck. Oh boy. And oh I just, boy. I like, I could feel, it was, like in a, it was like in a cartoon, you might like zoom into inside my brain and I could feel the blood vessels popping Dude. in my brain. And I was like, and I might have had a couple of drinks on the way, you know, on the flight home and everything. And I just like kind of, I had to like arrest myself and go up. Oh I walked God. up, I clenched my teeth. I didn't say anything to him. I walked up, uh, I got in the elevator, went up. Put my bag in my room in, in, uh, in, our, in our condo, and then uh, and I turned back around, and I, I went down to the bottom, and I was like, listen. Oh, you went down into Listen, man. So, I know you so don't realize what you're doing, but you just you don't talk to people that way about something they care about. <laughs> okay. My favorite part of that story is I thought maybe you got in the elevator, went upstairs to cool off. <laughs> Sit down, maybe watch Sunday Night Football. I was, yeah, I you went, off enough. You, you did? Okay, it's because yeah. the way you told it, it sounded like you went to just drop your bag off so you could go back down and talk to the kid. So I could have two hands free. <laughs> I, yeah. Totally. Yeah, so I wouldn't forget it later as I was, as I was trying to go after god. the security footage. Oh, my God. That's what... There was another, there was an older guy who was the concierge who was a really nice... He kind of realized what was going on. He's like, Seth, Seth, is everything okay? Like, yeah, it is, it is. I just got to talk to, gosh, I wish I could remember the kid's name. He's a good kid. He's just stupid. He's, lack, <laughs> you know, yeah, he's, he's lacking just, in self-awareness. He just didn't know. And, yeah, no, you know, and honestly, I think a lot of, like, the Eastern Europeans are just very blunt about things. Yeah. Like, in, to generalize, like, I think in Eastern European culture, a lot of those cultures, um, and Russia included, I talked to Meltzer about this, they're just very blunt. You know, there's no sugarcoating stuff. And, like, he didn't, he didn't mean any harm by it. But I just uh, <laughs> I had to explain to him the difference. Yep. In America, yeah. Oh my God, that is a funny story. Um, we get a lot of texts. Draft man, the draft always just gets people texting in. Trailer wheel and frame text page. Trailer wheel and frame. Be a huge mistake. This is o three eight three. Huge mistake to not trade our first pick. The Texans have too many holes. One player will not change that. There is no can't miss <clears throat> franchise quarterback this year. So trade down, get more picks, build the trenches. Build the lines; they win you championships. And that's the um, that is true about the trenches and everything. And everybody loves talking about using draft picks on uh, offensive linemen. Here's the thing about that: Did you know that that is a uh, a gamble as well, and that that is a crapshoot, right. and that there are no guarantees with that? So it is true that the more that's why the more swings you take, the better chance you have of success. That is, and, and that's what it comes down to. I think is if Nick doesn't feel very strongly about any of these quarterbacks, then I don't think they should draft the quarterback with the top pick. I mean, it's it's getting more and more that statistically your chance at landing your quarterback that's going to take you to a Super Bowl might come from veteran trade, might come from later in the first round or second or third round, might come from a free agent because all of a sudden these guys somehow become free agents or they force their way out of Houston, Texas. Like, there's just... There are different ways to do it. So 
I think a lot of this really comes down to how does Casario feel about Bryce Young's size? Yep. And is it worth it or not? Because if you take a pass rusher or a wide receiver or an offensive lineman or anything like that, yeah, there's um, and you feel really good about that guy. I think, and you get an extra draft pick out of it. It makes a lot of sense. This is the fascinating part of the Texan struggle to me is that yeah, Bryce Young is not perfect. C.J. Stroud is not perfect. They're not Trevor Lawrence in terms of checking so many boxes coming in. To where you just, we already know. Like, if this were two years ago, we would know. The Texans are drafting Trevor Lawrence. We would know right Right. now, assuming they lose this weekend to the Colts, we would know right now they're drafting Trevor Lawrence. But I can't think of an NFL team, and I wasn't there in Cleveland when they were going 1-31 in over two years. I can certainly never think of a Texans team. And I can't think of a team this season that I've watched games for that is at a lower nadir with its fan base. Like, it is... It's a running joke outside, in and outside of Houston about just how, how much of a takeover it is every Sunday by opposing fan bases. And I'm not saying struggle as if they're sitting down every day inside the stadium and it's Nick on one side of the table with all the scouts and it's Greg Grissom and the business people on the other side and they're staring at each other going, on one side, we need a quarterback because we got to get people hopeful about this franchise. And Nick is looking at them going, but Bryce Young is 165 pounds and they're just staring at each other. I don't think that's going to factor into the decision, but right. but if they use if they trade back, they trade back and get a bunch of picks. I think it's a little bit better depending on who they use, use the picks on. But if they use that first overall pick, even on a great player, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, whoever, a non quarterback, training camp in the first part of the season next year until they start winning games is going to feel a lot like the twenty twenty two season all over again. It's um, I mean, like I, I hate to bring up the obvious cautionary tale here, but the team that's used not just first-round picks but number one overall picks or very, very high picks on quarterbacks a whole bunch of times, if we're talking about Tim Couch or Brady Quinn, who is a late first-round pick, or Brandon Whedon, another late first-round pick, Johnny Manziel, I mean, those weren't even – Baker Mayfield, number one overall. Um, The Browns swung and swung and swung, and that doesn't do any – it doesn't do you any favors for fan confidence or excitement either when, when you draft Tim Couch. No. You know, so, and, and then the other danger too, and I think that GMs try not to let this affect them, but there's always the fear of how exactly it will be criticized. And the one way you don't want it to work out is that the one thing that everybody was screaming about is the thing that, that makes this guy not good. Yes. <laughs> so if Bryce Young... Everybody's going to be screaming about the fact that he's tinier than any guy drafted in the first round since uh, since Jim McMahon, who was, by the way, notoriously injury-prone his entire career. Mm-hmm. So if everybody's screaming about his size and then he ends up injured, not to mention everybody who was talking about Derek Stingley's big downside being injury and then he's injured, that gets you fired. Yeah. You know, that, like, that gets you fired right quick. Yep. If, the, if the very thing that all the damn pundits on television and the idiots sitting in this studio are saying, then, uh, then, then, then you know, the owner's looking at the GM and thinking, like, wait a second, are you telling me that Skip Bayless saw this thing more clearly than you? My God, what am I paying you for? That would suck, <laughs> especially if you had an owner. I don't think Cal has this in him, but especially if you had an owner who had it in them to – bring them into a conference room and play clips of Skip Bayless talking about Bryce Young. Like, this clown. You... This this clown. Why don't I hire this guy as my GM? You know? Why don't I hire him? What if you were a coach and you walked into a room and Skip Bayless was sitting there on the same <laughs> side of the table as you're... 
uh, is your is your owner, <laughs> and the owner is like Skip. I want you to tell me what you were just tell tell him what you were just telling me. That's right, that's right. Say hello to our new consultant. All right. Well, that's it's kind of what that guy from the NFL Network was doing for the Jets, right? The uh, the the doughy faced guy, the uh, that's on NFL Good Morning Football. He's like the reporter on Good Morning Football. Peter Schrager? Yeah, Peter Schrager. Okay. Remember the Jets were consulting with Peter Schrager oh, about yeah. the search for the Jets coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was really weird. That's when you know you've arrived. Strange. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, right. yeah, you've arrived, but at, at what? Like, yeah. what? I don't, I don't think that's a position that somebody, again, one of the preeminent NFL news shows yeah. should be. I don't think he should be in a position of advising one of the individual owners. Probably I guess, not. You know what? It pro- but it still probably happens, so whatever. It yeah. does. It does. Yeah. Probably feels kind of cool for him, I would imagine. Uh, all right, into the 7 o'clock hour we go. If the Texans' head coaching job were to open up next week, and this time next week we could be talking about that, where does it rank right now among the openings that we know and the openings that could happen. And by the way, there were reports yesterday out of one city that looked like a lock for the playoffs a few years ago that they might just clean house. We'll tell you who that is, too, next. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.